There are some signs you should not ignore. Some symbols, some alarm bells that deserve our attention. If you've got one of those holes in your basement full of water, and there's a certain alarm that goes off when the water achieves a certain height, then you probably should you know, get out of your chair and go down and check it out. If you're driving your car down the road and this red light shows up, it kind of shows a little container, you know, of, of oil, you know, you probably should pull your car over and, and, and just turn it off and, and, and wait to see what, 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 it, what it says. If you're, if you're changing or you're in the shower and you're, you know, you're washing off, you feel a, a lump that you haven't felt before, you probably should get it checked out. You know, there, there are signs and, 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 and you know, symbols that, that we, we see and that, that we hear that, that alarm us to the fact that we should take notice of this. We should, it deserves our attention in order to rectify the situation. If you're out on the, the lake in the summer and you see that black cloud rolling, and, and the problem is usually when the black cloud rolls, the fish really start to bite, you know. But you see that black cloud rolling towards you and it's a sign. Get off the lake. We were fishing in southern Alberta, and we saw this clouds coming in, and it, it, all of a sudden it just kind of showed up. And we're like, oh, we better get to the, you know, to the launch. And we got to the launch, and there was like 10 boats there, and everyone's trying to get off the lake. And I let Lisa off. I'm like, hey, you know, back the trailer in. Ha, 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 back the trailer in. Nice, eh? A husband, you know, give his wife this job, and she's trying to back this trailer in. It's not going in, you know. It's every little turn that trailer is, you know. So finally this guy's like, can I back it in for you? And she's like, sure, you know. And so we get in, and like the, the boats were lined up. Why? Because in, in about 10 minutes, suddenly the, the lightning struck, boom, and like boom, and wind and waves and lightning, and it was like, get those boats off the lake. And the signs, right? If we pay attention to the signs, the warnings, we can save ourselves. But there is this one signal in each of our hearts that longs for us to pay attention to it. It's that longing for something more, something significant, something lasting. It's, it's intergenerational and it's, it's, it spans the whole realm of history. Every group of people have felt this. There is something more to life. And the signal kind of goes off in our ears. We see it in front of us but we don't know how to respond to it. And as we come to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew, who lived in the first century, who spent time with Jesus Christ of Nazareth and and, and who observed his life and his death and his resurrection, writes for us a report. uh, We call it a gospel. And he says, you know what, you've been having this warning sign, this symbol, this light's been going off. You, You hear this alarm every day, And let me tell you, here is the solution. Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles at the back. It's also going to be up on the screen, so you can follow along with me. But I want us to look at at what Matthew would say is, you know, about Jesus Christ. Who are you following? I mean, we're all following someone, somewhere, and and Matthew says, I would suggest to you that if you want to, to, to dull or to turn off that, that warning signal in your heart that says there's got to be more to life, I would point your attention to Jesus Christ, Matthew says. Well, the story for Matthew and for Jesus begins in, in really in Jesus' ministry in chapter 3. Matthew wants to show us that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the, the prophecies of the, of the prophets of the Old Testament. 
In chapters 1 and 2, he, he quotes Isaiah and Jeremiah, Hosea, and, and, and he points at Micah, how, how Christ is fulfilling in his birth, Jesus fulfilled in his birth, all these prophecies about him. And then he comes to chapter 3, and he introduces us to this guy called John the Baptist. It says in chapter 3, verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came into the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. For he is the one about whom the Isaiah the prophet has spoken. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. Back in the Old Testament era, hundreds of years before, a prophecy was saying, before the Messiah comes, you see, the Jews all long for this deliverer. For the, the person who would come and bring peace and establish the righteous rule of God on the earth. And they said, we're waiting for this Messiah. And, and, and the prophecy was, before the Messiah would come, would come this, this, this forerunner, this, the guy who would prepare the way. He was the, the guy who literally plowed the ground so that the seed could fall in. I mean, this is, this is John the Baptist. And his message is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The message is really a warning light. Doom, 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 doom. He wants you to, 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 to wake up and says, something big is about to happen. And the right response is for you to turn your hearts back to God because his righteous rule is right about to happen. The kingdom of heaven is near. What is the kingdom of heaven? It is the place where God reigns and rules supremely. Where as he speaks, it is done. Where he establishes righteousness and justice. And for Jews living under the Roman domination, I mean, this was a, a welcome thought. When they could throw off the, you know, the taxation and the, you know, the occupation of Rome and, and fully embrace the Jewish lifestyle with a Jewish leadership. And, and so they long for this. And, and John is preparing them for that. Repent. Kingdom of heaven is near. Later on in chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus will repeat this message himself. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. God's rule, as it is done in heaven, is embraced upon the earth. And it describes John, verse 4 of chapter 3. It says, Now John wore clothing made from camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and his diet consisted of locusts, and wild honey. The people from Jerusalem as well as Judea and all the region around the Jordan were coming out to him, and he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. I mean, an enigmatic figure at best. He's got this camel hide. And if you've ever seen a camel, like it's not exactly the nicest hide you could find. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of you know, uh, you know, bargain basement kind of material, right? This is not you know, this is not you know, nice aristocratic clothes. This is like you know, blue collar, you know, below blue collar, you know, and he's, and he's eating this, this locusts and wild honey. I mean, he's, he's one of these guys that's going to go back to nature, so to speak, you know, he's, he's, you know, living off the land, you know, I mean, this is John the Baptist. I mean, hardly what you would call a religious figure, but people are thronging to him. Imagine if you were a Roman situated in Jericho at this time period. And your superior says, hey, there's something weird going down at the river. 
Can you just put on some peasant garb and just go check it out for us? We, we don't know what's happening, but there's a lot of people leaving Jerusalem, and they're heading that way. Could you just give us a, a little report of what's going on? You know, you show up at the river, and you're expecting, you know, you know, there's, you know, a stash of weapons and people, you know, with messianic expectations. And, and here's this camel skin, leather belt, gnawing on locusts, you know, dunking people in the water. They're like, I don't know what's going on there, but it is not a threat to us, let me tell you. <laughs> this is just weird. But somehow John has tapped into this warning light on the dashboard of these people of Israel that says there is more to life. There is more to loving God. There is more to serving God. There is more to this religion and this identity that we have as Jews that we are not experiencing. We want more. And as they hear of of what's going on with John, they just flock to it. Then shows up the religious people, verse 7. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce the fruit that produces repentance. And don't think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I mean, whoa. <laughs> I mean, who, does he know who he's talking to? He doesn't care. He knows what his mission is. And these people come down. Why are they coming down? Because there is an unsanctioned religious activity going on. Why didn't you ask us? How come we didn't go through the right channels? Where, you know, where, you know, where's the PO for this? You know, I mean, why, why didn't you, you know, you know have, have it on the agenda of our last meeting? What do, what do you think you're doing? And he's like, look, you guys, you brood of vipers. He doesn't care. He is about turning people's hearts back to God. And he recognizes in them this pride and this self-dependence. We're the children of Abraham. He's like, look at these stones. God can raise up the children of Abraham from these very stones. Matthew is alluding to things that will come on later in his gospel. You'll find them if you read it through the gospel. There's a lot of things in this story that are pointing to things that will happen in the future. He's setting the stage. It's, It's creative foreshadowing. But he's basically like, you can't just lean on your genealogy. God is looking for heart change. He says, you know, the root is exposed. The axe is ready to chop it. And what happens when the root is chopped? The tree falls over. Something big is happening here. He says in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But the one coming after me is more powerful than I am. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. The most menial task that a servant could do would be to to carry the sandals, you know, stinky feet sweat and and animal manure mixed in, you know, into the leather, you know, and and carrying these, you know, things. He says, I'm not even worthy to carry the sandals of the one who's coming after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clean out his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the storehouse, and the chaff he will burn up with inextinguishable fire. John is the original hell and brimstone kind of preacher, right? He's, he's giving you the full goods. He understands the, the big picture. The Messiah is going to come. He's going to take care of sin. He's going to establish justice and righteousness. All the unrighteous will be judged. I mean, this is the way they understood it. And, and he didn't even understand the fully the mission of Jesus. Even later on, John will be asking Jesus, are you actually the one? 
I mean, he's expecting Jesus to come and to, you know, to clean house, you know, kind of like an MMA, you know, cage match. He's going to, you know, just whoop everyone and clean them out and then, you know, establish. But, but Jesus doesn't do that. He does it a little different, differently. And so even John doesn't understand as we move through the Gospel of Matthew, the full extent of Jesus' ministry. But he understands his role. He's just the one setting the stage. He's the light. But he's not the solution. Hence, we come into the baptism, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. He's taken this trip now. Jesus has shown up. Matthew describes his birth and, and how these aristocrats, magi from the east, came and offered him gifts worthy of a king and worship worthy of a king. He talks about the flight to Egypt and how they settled back in Nazareth. We don't hear from Jesus now for, for 30 years, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes from Galilee to John to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. He hangs up, we assume, his carpenter's apron. He cleans off the tools and lays them on the bench. And he sets off on his journey. Never to go back to that again. He's about to start something significant and big. And that start will begin when he is baptized by John in the Jordan River. Of course, the natural response of John in verse 14 is, John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? And the word order actually is very emphatic in, in, the, in the original. He's like, you know, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. I mean, the, the, Jesus is in the center of it, and grammatically it's like the focus is, look, 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 I, this is about you, not about me, and I can't do this. I mean, you're greater than I am. I'm not worthy of this. John understands his place in the whole plan of God. It's to get out of Jesus' way and let him do his work. But Jesus is like, no, no, this needs to happen, John. Jesus replied to him, let it happen now. For it is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. The word righteousness will come up again and again in, in Matthew's gospel. I mean, he said it there in the Beatitudes, chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. He says in verse 10, those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed. In chapter 6, verses 33, he reminds us, this is the song we used to sing when I was a camper many years ago, you know, but above all, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness is doing things God's way. Fulfilling God's will, his way. Following God and doing it his way. Jesus comes to us as a perfect human going to fulfill God's way for him. And he says, this is important for us to fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus understands that he's got a mission from God that he needs to fulfill. And it starts right there in the Jordan River. All these people have been coming and identifying with their sin. They're saying, yes, we're sinners. Yes, we need to turn to God. Yes, we've messed up. Yes, we need God to do something in our life. Yes, yes. But, it, but they're kind of, John brings them to that place and then kind of leaves them hanging. Yeah, guess what? You got half of it. Here you go. You got a sin issue. You do. You got a sin problem. Absolutely. And then they're like, okay, now what? Now what? He's like, just wait. And then Jesus shows up. 
And this is that transition period between the forerunner and the Messiah as, as John takes Jesus and baptizes him. It says in verse end of verse 15, Then John yielded to him, and after Jesus was baptized, just as he was coming up out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my one dear Son in whom I take great delight. You may have read this story before and thought, that's a nice story. You may have seen it in video and, and think, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. But this is a big deal. You see, Jesus deserves our attention. Just like that light on the dashboard, or that alarm in the basement, the lump on your body, Jesus deserves our attention. What is happening here is significant. Matthew, the first century you know, witness of the life of Jesus, is, is trying to, to lay a foundation for, uh, for us here to, to listen to this warning signal. There is something in Jesus that deserves our attention. As he's baptized, this weird event happens. This dove, this spirit like a dove, descends on him tells us in Genesis 1 that the, the Spirit of God is brooding over the, over the kind of this, this primordial mess of chaos. And, and out of that chaos, God creates the, the heaven and the earth. And, but the Spirit of God is there in this new creation. As Noah is sitting in the ark, the water has gone down, he lets out a dove to symbolize you know, the end of judgment. And the dove flies out, and, and then here... here here the spirit like a dove descends upon Jesus. So we have the spirit, we have the Son of God, and then we have this voice from heaven which said, this is my one dear son, my beloved son. In him I am well pleased or I take great delight. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together in the baptism of Jesus. Matthew wants you to know something about Jesus. He is unlike any other person that you can imagine. Now understand, as we hear these warning signals in our life, we look for a way to fill that, to, to answer that, to turn off the alarm, to fill that, that longing in our, in our soul for, for something greater. And every generation has done this. Every, every, every period of history, people have, have sought to fill that void with, with all sorts of things. Power, pleasure, sex, money, career, body, whatever it is. You're like, okay, well, maybe if I had the perfect body, I would finally feel like I've, I've achieved something. You know, maybe if I, if I win the Super Bowl, yes. If I, if I have a million, two million, ten million, five billion, whatever it is, dollar amount, then, then I'll actually find that void to be filled. And it's not. It's like we're just turning the light off, but the, the problem still exists. And Jesus comes in, and Matthew introduces us to him as this eternal Son of God who's identifying with us in our neediness. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He had no sins to, to confess. Imagine, Jesus was the perfect kid. Parents, can you imagine having the perfect kid? It's a dream. You know, it doesn't exist. None of us were perfect kids. None of our kids are perfect, but... Joseph and Mary had the perfect kid. Can you imagine being Jesus' brother and sister? Isn't that nice, eh? You know, oh, it was Jesus. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. Uh-uh. I think Jesus did. No, 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 that's not. Jesus didn't close the gate. Yes, he did, you know. 
What an awful, no wonder that the brothers and sisters of Jesus didn't really accept his mission either when, they, when he first came, right? They're standing outside the door. Hey, send Jesus out. We think he's going over the edge here, you know? And he's like, who are my brothers and sisters? Everyone who does the will of God. This is my brothers and sisters and my mother. Later on, they would get it. In fact, one of his brothers writes a letter in the New Testament to, to outline what it means to follow Jesus. They came around, but, but can you imagine that? But there he is being baptized. He's identifying with us. Jesus deserves our attention. First, because, you know, he's committed to doing God's will, to getting the job done. He, he's committed to, to, to fulfilling all righteousness. He will go all the way to the end for us to finally turn off this signal once and for all in every one of our hearts. Yeah, that, 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 that sense of like there's more to life and this is not enough is satisfied by Jesus when he dies on the cross and rises again. He gets the job done. I was reading one of the books in the back corner there. If you haven't seen it, we got a little, kind of a little reading corner in the foyer there. You can grab one of those books, take them home, read it. One of the books is called Reborn to be Wild. And he tells a story. Of, he was in the Jesus movement in the 60s in California. And they were so passionate about Jesus. They had all these clubs going, these Young Life clubs, talking about Jesus. And one time there was this lady kind of sitting there in this weird kind of dress. And they're talking about Jesus. And suddenly she starts asking these questions. And she's really smart. You know, this is in one of the colleges, universities down in Southern California. And, and like he, you know, he's like, I'm a new believer. I don't know much about Jesus except that he saved my, for my sins. And I can't stop talking about him. But I don't know how to answer all of her arguments. And, and, and she's this Buddhist. And she's there to convert all these potential Jesus followers to Buddhism. And he's like, and I have no answers for this lady. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm like, oh, man. You know, and, and finally he's like, yeah, there's this like, kind of doofus in the group you know <laughs> he's the guy that you know you hope never would talk because he just you know things you know kind of stuff came out of his mouth that didn't make sense and you kind of you know, just kind of like to keep him quiet but but then he's like hey lady i got a question for you and he's like oh no you know where's this gonna go and he's like hey and she's like well sure what's your question he's like who did buddha die for so like, what do you mean you know, can you ask that question again who did buddha die for and he's like you know God used the simple <laughs> guy in our group to shut this woman down. Because, see, Jesus finished what he started. And for that reason, he deserves our attention. But not only that, Jesus identified with, with humanity and our helplessness. He's, he's baptized with us. Why? Not because of his sins, but he says, I'm entering your world to identify with your sin. Jesus is God's solution to the human problem. And thirdly, Jesus is the Messiah. You know, the Jews believed in this anointed king, this special deliverer, you know, kind of almost superhero-like. And he is, because he's God, and he has, he has powers that, that, that are far beyond ours. And Matthew will show us some of those things if you stick with us and continue with this journey with us over the next number of weeks. Jesus is the Messiah. He is God's solution to our problem. And in Jesus, we find these significant truths. Now here, John is introducing us to some major theological truths. Now that's a big word, but understand, there, there are things that are true about Jesus that identify him uniquely. One is that he is fully human and fully divine. 
And, John, and, John, and Matthew's like, you got to get this. you got to understand this. He's identifying with humanity. He's being baptized as, as, a, as a man, but, but, but he's also fully God. And in, in Jesus, these two natures are, are fused together. They're welded together. And I'm stepping into a mysterious realm here, so understand. In the early church, many people got this wrong. And what happened was you started to go down the path of heresy. Jesus became the Son of God when he got baptized. No, 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 no. He was the Son of God before he got baptized. You know, Jesus wasn't fully human. He was just God kind of, you know, in sort of this, you know, embodied in this, you know, shell. No, no, no. He was fully human, fully God. How does that work? I can't explain it to you, but the Bible says this is truth. And Matthew is laying a foundation for significant understanding. Understand, if you don't believe that, you're, you're wrong. The light stays on in your head. Ding, 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 ding. It doesn't go away. There are groups in our city that will talk about Jesus. They'll refer to him. They'll even use terms like salvation and all these things, but they don't believe that Jesus Christ was fully God, fully man. They have some distorted perception of that, and as a result, they're not putting their faith in the same Jesus that Matthew is introducing us to here. Be really clear about that. But beyond that, too, Jesus is also one of three. The Spirit the Son, and the Father, all together are God. And, and they're in the midst of his baptism, there's this intertrinitarian connection. This is a portal into heaven right now. Whew. One of the commentators says, the voice that was heard in heaven wasn't actually heard by the people there, but it was actually, the, the voice was actually heard in the heavenly court. That God is speaking to all the angels and everyone up in heaven, look at this, my Son, in whom I take great delight. Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And he identifies with us in our humanity. He identifies with the triune God in, in that moment of baptism. He draws us to, to worship him and to pay attention to him. And then we're left saying, well, what do we do about this? And I believe that verse 15 gives us the answer. John yielded to him. The right response to the king of heaven is to surrender our lives. To acknowledge the, the signal and, and to say, okay, Jesus, help me turn this off. Help me to, to fix this problem. Give me the solution. And Matthew says, here is the solution. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, fully human, fully man, connected with the Trinity. From, from the beginning of creation till now, God has a plan, and Christ is here now to fulfill it. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're still taking the steps in God's plan. You understand, our neighbors out there, kids in your school, kids at the college, the guys you work with at the shop, the ladies in the office, the alarm bell is going off in their heart as well. They may not admit it. Maybe they're trying to fill it. Why do people go home and just binge watch on TV? Why? Because they're, they're trying to find some experience that will just silence the bell in their heart. Why do we bounce from relationship to relationship? Because we tried one, it felt good for a little bit, and then it didn't feel good. And we tried another one, we tried another one. Why do we go for drugs? Why? Because in that moment, at least in that moment, I feel good. 
And then as the drug weighs, fades off, I, I get back to the crappy life that I live. And I need another fix to get off that, you know, just, the, just, just for that period of time, I don't feel it. You know, when, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I got the six-pack and I get to number six, then I start to feel like life is okay, right? And Matthew says, wrong. There's something deeper you need. You need Jesus. That's why we exist, people, as a church, is to introduce our community to Jesus. If you're here, you don't know Jesus. I, I'm, in, I'm introducing him to you this morning the perfect Son of God who took on human flesh and and in Himself became the perfect mediator for us so that we don't have to walk in that pain. We don't have to ignore the alarm bell or just drive with that light on the dash all the time. We can say, no, I want to end this problem. And it comes when we surrender our lives to Jesus. He identified with us in our sinfulness so that we can identify with Him in His life and His resurrection. Believe in Jesus Christ. Who are you following? Because someone will tell you an answer to that problem. Well, just go have lots of sex, and that'll make you feel good. Go take drugs, you know, go make lots of money, whatever it is, you know, you know work out all the time and, you know, fix your body so it looks perfect or whatever it is, and that, that'll satisfy you, you know. Do a diet, do this, do that, you know, and, 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 and we come to the Bible, and it kind of just wipes that off the table and says, there's one answer right here. It's Jesus. And Matthew's going to say, there's a lot of reasons to follow Jesus. His life is unlike any other. And we're going to walk that journey until we get to Easter. And we're going to just look at some spot, some highlights, snapshots from the, Matthew's gospel. This is a first century guy that walked with Jesus and says, let me tell you what I saw. And you can decide for yourself, but let me tell you, that light will never go off, Matthew tells us, until you discover Jesus. You may get the perfect retirement situation. You know, you may have all the money you, you thought you needed, and then you get there and you're like, oh, how come that light is still going off? It's because there's only one person that will meet that need for you, and that's Jesus. And for us that know Jesus, this is a reminder just to stay on that track. Popularity won't give it for you. The people you hang out with won't get it for you. Going to parties won't get it for you. You know, getting a career advanced move doesn't get it for you. Jesus gets it for you. Trust in him, believe in him, receive him today as your Savior. And let's walk with him together. Who are you following? Would you just pray with me as we close? The team is going to bring us into a focus on Jesus. and There is only one place where we find the true peace in our hearts. And that's in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe even as a follower of his, you've gotten distracted by other things. And today is a day just to get back on track with Jesus. This is the eternal Son of God, identifying with us in our mess so that we can identify with him in his life and eternity. Father in heaven, help us to fully embrace the life of your Son, Jesus Christ. If there's someone here this morning that's never received Christ as their Savior that wants to, Lord, Lord, speak to their heart and draw them to yourself. But all they have to do is say, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. I believe that he can help turn off this warning signal in my heart that is not satisfied anywhere else. 
Today, oh Lord, do that work in this anyone's heart here that prays that prayer. I pray for our young people, Lord, that they wouldn't be distracted by this world, by their peers, by temptations. For our men, that, that we would we'd stand strong as men of the word following Jesus. For our families, for our marriages. For our seniors, oh Lord, that they would, they would shine and, and be ever bright and even in their senior years for you and for Jesus. Help us as a church family to model a group of people who've discovered the greatest thing ever, a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And so we want to end our service, Lord, focusing and praising Jesus, the name above all names. It's his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we close together.